0: To the Queer Arabs Podcast. This is Alia. This is Nadia. And we are the Queer Arabs. And we are here with a great <laughs> guest today. Um, can you introduce yourself and tell whatever you want about your background?
1: Hi, so my name is Mark and um, I go by uh, Mark and I'm I'm in Arabic and I am an Arabic style dancer, even though I'm Filipino American. I've been dancing for over... I think it's like maybe almost 17 years. And I've had many adventures through that, including becoming social media famous in Iraq and Saudi Arabia. Dancing for Arabic stars, like dignitaries, getting myself into trouble. Lots of things, yeah. That's, I can't wait to hear, hear, to yeah,
0: hear all elaborate those on
2: that. Let's start at the beginning. How did you get yeah. started dancing?
1: How did I get started from dancing? So I ha- was in college, it was like my first year of college. It was like towards the end of my first year. And I like became friends with all these like random like people from uh, different parts of the world because there was an international club in my college. And a lot of people were like, were Saudi or, or Arab, mostly Saudi. And there's this one girl who was half Saudi, half Lebanese. And she invited me and a bunch of other our friends to go out dancing. So we just went to some American nightclub with typical music. And then someone in the crowd requested some Arabic music. And then they started playing it. And my friend was half Lebanese, half, Lebanese, half Saudi. She could belly dance uh, socially and she started dancing and I was like, holy fucking shit, how is she doing that? This is so crazy. Like I've never seen that before. I mean, um, I lived in a multicultural place, but you know, American education teaches you nothing about the Middle East at all. It's just like, oh, there's a lot of there, blah, 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 you know? And so that was my first exposure to it. And I was like, I need to learn how to do this because it's just so cool. And I started taking classes shortly afterwards and then, uh, that was in 2003, and I haven't stopped. So that's how I started. And then it just it led to a lot of craziness. But <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. So basically, I... you saw it, and then it escalated? From... <laughs> yes. Great, that escalated quickly, <laughs> yeah. it sounds
1: like. It was like I, I never planned on becoming a professional dancer or performing on a professional level. I just wanted to learn how to do that. I just thought it was cool. And then if you if you have a passion for something, it just leads to other doors and Mm -hmm. other Stuff like that. So that's how it started.
0: Sweet. What styles of Arabic dancing have you gotten into?
1: So I started with Raksharki, uh, and then uh, I learned Becca. I learned Shabi, like from Morocco. Cool. I learned how to dance Khaliji. I learned how to dance Iraqi. You have Those such
0: are... good hair for the Khaliji dance.
1: Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, that was like a natural progression too. I used. I first started out dancing with really short hair. And it just kept on getting longer and longer <laughs> and longer. Um, but yeah, like I learned a lot of these dances socially. Like Raksharki, I learned in class. I took some um, Bebka lessons with Ramzi and Libby. And some other Lebanese and Palestinian uh, teachers. I took some classes, but I learned a lot of my depth from just watching people. You know, I like learned the basics and like the basic uh, stuff. But but like a lot of my Iraqi and Khaliji stuff, I learned from watching people in nightclubs. I would go to an Arabic nightclub with like a friend or something, order a few drinks, and then just follow the bouncing butt, like just like <laughs> someone and follow what they were doing, and I just sort of figured it out on my own because I, as you guys know, I, I'm from the DC area and the DC area is really, really like, there's a lot of different Arabs, but all the Arabic clubs cater to like Khalijis and in, in Iraqis for whatever reason. I guess it's because they ha- they, they, they'll they spend the more the most money, you mm-hmm. know, they'll throw the most money everywhere or something.
0: Did like you that. go to the green zone a lot? I think that's new. Or is that that's newer? Oh, okay. New. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. There was a bunch of clubs. They, they're they always changing the clubs. So I used to go to uh, Zikrayats, which is in Alexandria. That's like a super Lebanese. i
0: about yeah.
1: that, yeah. Okay. Like Khaliji nights, you know, because if you don't cater to Khalijis at some point, you're never going to make money oh. <laughs> And so like I would go to these Arabic clubs and I want to listen to Egyptian music or belly dance music. And they would play like a good hour in the beginning of the night, like Egyptian and Lebanese music just mm-hmm. to get it out and then like the whole night was just Iraqi and Khaliji music and then the last hour was like Moroccan and like Rai music because it was just like that it would like it was just enough for people to be happy with with things like so okay like Iraqi and Khalijis are happy with this music and then the last <laughs> last hour is Moroccan and, and Algerian. And that, you know, because that was the sort of the mix of the clubs. It was like maybe like two thirds Iraq and Khaliji. More on the Khaliji side. More Khalijis went. And then like maybe a third was Moroccans and other people. There would be like the random like palestinian or lebanese person there but it was like mostly that mix of people so mm-hmm. i had to be exposed to that music and at first i was like i don't understand and then after a while i just sort of got into it and then i sort of started loving
2: when you started out like taking classes where were you just around the right people to give you the right recommendations because i feel like there's also just especially with like sharki or like belly dance there's just so much crap out there
1: Oh my God, there's so much crap, there's so much bad, awful dancing. And you guys can quote me on this, <laughs> I mean, you know, there's just some, so much awful orientalist bullshit out there or people, it's like basically people playing dress up. And that's not all foreigners pick up like Sharky like for me, like it's, it's always been a, a mission to try to dance in a way that's authentic to me but also authentic to the culture however there's so much like bullshit so i don't understand
2: I, what tribal fusion is i don't understand what tribes <laughs> they're talking about and what, oh,
1: what oh, fusion is so, <laughs> it's so pre-white privilege cultural appropriation sort of like these terms that became something that was in the public consciousness right this is all before that i think uh, tribal started out in the 60s by some like hippie belly dancer who didn't want to conform to like the, the nightclub sort of view of belly dance, which is like, you know, woman in a bra and a belt with a skirt dancing around to Arabic music. She wanted something that sort of was folkloric, but not from a particular place. I forgot her name, but it it, it started this whole trend of basically dancers just taking like Rakshaki as a base and then adding a whole bunch of random shit in costuming and in styling and then shoving it together and then calling it tribal, which is like, (laughs) what does that mean, you know? Like, you know, the real tribes are are a bunch of Bedouin, like Bedouin tribes in the Khalij and in Iraq just roaming about or they're settled or something. And they're like you know you know if you go far above back my ancestor was like was this guy named gatan in yemen blah 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 like 25 generations ago or something it's like oh like that's how that's real tribalism that's like i can i my yeah. genealogy goes all the way back to 600 600 a.d in yemen so fuck you like you know right. but i have to say that it's like, I had to do a lot of research before I got a teacher. I, my, it was important to find someone who was, like, actually Middle Eastern or from that culture. So my first teacher was actually Greek, but her family lived in uh, Turkey mm-hmm. cool. uh, for, like, 300 years until they they came to the United That's
0: States.
1: That's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, they, 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 I guess, shortly after Greece became occupied by by the ottoman empire they just moved to turkey or something but they were still able to like speak uh, speak greek you know for that amount of time so i mean
2: that's impressive they held on well there's i i don't there's there's a particular history of like greek turkish people and turkish greek people who got like forcibly like pushed across i don't know
1: i don't yeah yeah. all i know is that they either immigrated or something like that to turkey uh But I mean, there's still Turks in Greece, you know? Yeah. Uh, They're just like, they're not huge communities, but there was some population transfers or something. I don't know for the history exactly, but yeah. So that's how I I chose the teachers. But I've always tried to find teachers who I know either worked Mm -hmm. in the Middle East or who were from those countries to learn. So. One of my teachers is Suha Deeb. She's a Lebanese dancer. She's currently based in Cairo and she's amazing. She's a really good teacher. She dances like really old school, like Lebanese style, which like doesn't look like the way belly dancers dance in Lebanon now, which is like just a lot of spinning around and looking slutty. Like, like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, search Lebanese belly dance in Arabic or whatever on YouTube and you'll some scantily clad Lebanese girl who might have, I, I don't want to assume, a boob job, running around <laughs> on stage, spinning around. And like they, there's there's parts of their dance that looks nice, and then there's parts of it that are just like really angular or something because they're wearing like six inch stilettos on stage. And it's just like, like at Nadia, as you know, as a dancer, when you wear heels, it completely changes your center of gravity, so. Yeah. Which is why everyone dances barefoot, so there you go.
2: Do you want to talk about The social media progression oh yeah like after you well i guess how did you start performing or doing it professionally and on the internet
1: oh so that's a good transition to to the youtube stuff so so i started performing and i was performing in dc and stuff and then shortly after i guess for a couple years and then i moved to new york the new york area and there was a time when i wasn't performing as much and i was like um, posting on YouTube, but not really advertising it that much. And then I posted it Iraqi dance video. Cause at that point I was starting to perform Iraqi dance as something that was a professional thing. Like I hadn't performed it before because I learned it very organically. I didn't even know the name of the dance because I couldn't speak Arabic at the time. So I started posting videos about that. And then like the video went viral. <laughs> so <laughs> it just suddenly like, because it's like, Who's this like random asian guy doing this you know dance and then it sort of like started becoming a thing where i was posting those videos and i was posting obviously belly and all of my most popular dance videos that are over a million views are all iraqi like almost all of them
2: do you know why like what happened what happened
1: i don't know i guess i just posted it at the right time i think that that was around the same time after the Iraqi invasion, uh, the, the American invasion of Iraq, I think, uh, when was that? 2003, three. something like yeah. that. I started po- after that, you have like this huge di- diaspora of Iraqi people in the Middle East and also overseas and they bring their Iraqi culture. So you start seeing people who are not Iraqi, but who are, who are Arab, like Arab singers, starting to do Iraqi music, you know, and you start seeing people uh, gain more of appreciation of like Iraqi pop music. So that's when I started posting those videos. And that's when they started getting popular because people were just, it was in their consciousness like this is the Iraqi dance. So, but still most of my, most of my viewers are uh, are Iraqi men uh, between the ages of 18 <laughs> to And then <laughs> I, 65% of my viewership are just Iraqi men of that age group. So obviously there's something about that. And then most of the women who watch me are Saudi women. So it's just like, Of the same age group, so it's like it's very like odd, but it's like most of my viewership is like I would say maybe yes, about sixty percent Iraqi men, and then thirty percent Saudi women, and then the rest is just from everywhere. (laughs) I mean, it's okay. It is what it is. I mean, sure, someone's masturbating videos. It's fine. It's okay. (laughs) If I'm providing a service and I get uh, I get uh, some monetization from it.
0: It's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Nothing wrong with
1: that. Win win. Win win, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, so, the person you're taking, are you still taking lessons like online?
1: I am actually. Um, cool. My teacher Suha is teaching now. I don't, I'm not sure if she's in Cairo right now. Maybe she relocated for a bit because these things are not so good in Cairo. but I know that she is based in Cairo right now, um, but she's teaching again. So I'm going to start probably Wednesday or the week after Wednesday, something like that. Yeah. But I don't study as much from people anymore because I'm at a, I'm at a level where the teacher needs to add value to my dance versus just being like, okay, I'm taking a workshop and they're teaching a choreography. And this choreography is crazy. And I'm not learning anything from it more than just, okay, well, there's these three steps, and then I spin around, and then I do a weighted arabesque, and then shimmy, and then blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of workshops where it's like, you're not, you get three moves out of it. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, it's just a blur. You don't remember anything. And Mm I'm I'm sure you've gone to workshops before with teachers where you're just like, what am I doing here, like, you know? And you spend all this money and then you learn two moves i mean i guess that's value but it's almost just like i don't
2: you have to I, know what you want before you go exactly. to it so you, you make sure you're getting what you want and not just like walking into something like exactly. expecting
1: one thing and getting mm-hmm. another yeah there are a lot of teachers like until the coronavirus uh pandemic happened there are a, there's shit loads of like workshops being taught by you know foreign teachers like americans or or russians or blah blah no don't ever learn from a russian like most of them can't dance it's like (laughs) have you ever seen russians take like ballroom dancing or like flamenco or anything ethnic and just make it into a competition and you're like oh my god you don't need to dance like that that's exhausting
2: the russian vogue scene is really interesting (laughs) (laughs)
1: like amazing in some regards but also like it's like when you watch, like, let's, let's use Vogue, for example, when you watch someone that was raised in that culture of that, like, that uh, ballroom scene and voguing and everything, then they interpret the music in a different way. Mm -hmm. And they, and there's, there's a lot of this sort of like, there's more posing and more pauses. It's just like the character is different than if someone that's taking on voguing as something that is like, uh, like in a dance class or something.
2: Right, like I'm gonna do the most extreme version of this.
1: Yeah, yeah, like they just take it to the nth degree and there isn't that sort of like- Like subtlety,
2: yeah.
1: Pose or like, like, you know, that that someone that's in there can do that. And that's okay. I think that like for me, when when I dance and knowing that I'm like Filipino American, and, you know, belly dancing whatever, is that I always try to fall back on the way that people danced, like, you know, Carioca, Samiya Carioca, Samia Jamal, Naamit uh, Mukhtar, all these belly dancers, and try to pull things from them to kind of improve my dancing, because it makes my dancing feel closer to music. Like, mm-hmm. I guess with shakti it's, it's about It's the difference between dancing on music and dancing in the music. Yeah. I don't know. There's something to that that effect. But anyway, it's like, you know, as an aside.
2: I guess on a kind of related note, you mentioned that you didn't speak Arabic when you started out performing and now you do. Was that kind of like part of the process? Like you just wanted to get closer to like understanding the music and the culture?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I was at the time I was dating a bunch of Arab
2: guys. Okay. That helps.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I think like, what was it? I was, while I was dancing in DC, I was dating a Palestinian guy and that was, like, the craziest experience ever. I was like, what is going on here? This person is completely batshit crazy, but it's fine. Wait,
2: explain fun. more.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this will lead to the, the Arabic language learning, I promise. But, uh, <laughs> so, I was dating this guy, I, I don't remember how I met him, maybe online, I don't remember, but like, you know. He's Palestinian he's, uh, I think he's like, his family's from Ramallah, but they're from a, 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 a town outside of Ramallah, but like close to Ramallah, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he was like living in the United States and then we just started to hang out and started dating. And that was just a crazy, crazy experience because he literally was like always high and he would do the craziest things. Like I would be like, oh, I have this new costume done on the and and then he would try to like get into that costume just for fun. And I'm like, you're six feet tall. Like you cannot fit into this costume, you're crazy. And then he would just like, he would sometimes I would bring him to parties and he would just be wearing sunglasses cause he like, his eyes were so red from like <laughs> And uh, it was a funny experience. It was just like, sometimes I was like, why am I dating this person? But then it was just like really funny at the same time. It was, it was never a dull moment. He started teaching me Arabic. And I was like, and the first thing he taught me how to say, which was like, I mean, it's like, it's like, why? It's a trademark of my relationship with him at the time. And I was like, I was like, oh, like, Habibi, teach me Arabic, you know, like, oh, Habibi, eh, you know, like, and <laughs> like, oh, like, bus like <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Of course. That's useful. And I was like, what does that mean? And he's like, your mother's pussy. And I'm like. Oh my god that's not useful like why would you teach me that and he said it's not that it's not useful it's that you will learning that will be useful to you later on and he was right actually it was like it's full totally like <laughs> i heard that a couple of times afterwards and i was like oh thank god i know how. To yeah
2: do you know you know who's yelling what at you that's good yeah
1: yeah but he was teaching me some arabic and then i was just like this is stupid um first off i broke up with them um <laughs> Well, that's well, part of that is that i was like you're crazy and this is going nowhere and, and you know you just want to write poetry and smoke weed and drink like you know mara Mia. you know like i'm just like i can't stop serving me sage tea i don't like that <laughs> <laughs> and uh i broke up with him um and then afterwards i started taking arabic classes um cool i actually think that learning the language just really helped me dance better because before i'm just dancing and i would have to ask someone what it meant but it's not the same as if you actually know what it means mm-hmm. and have some context so i would not say that i'm 100 percent fluent but i can get by i can definitely understand conversa- conversational arabic but um i still have trouble with egyptians because they talk really. really i do bad.
2: too i
1: i really struggle to understand egyptian it's just that like you know when you take a letter that should be a jeem or a and yeah just you're get, like everything's <laughs> and they talk so fast sometimes that they're just like like if you're not exposed to egyptian cinema and egyptian television like if you don't have that exposure you have no idea what they're saying like i've gotten better over the years but like sometimes i'll watch egyptian programming and there'll be subtitles in like fusha and I have to watch the them and I'm like, oh, that's what they're saying.
0: (laughs) What dialect have you like focused in on?
1: So this is a really good, this is really good for the podcast actually because it's Mm -hmm. just so random. But like I was, uh, I went to Lebanon twice Mm -hmm. and during that time I learned some Arabic and then I sort of like started learning Lebanese Arabic but just not very well, not doing a very good job. And I was learning like, I was taking like classical Arabic at the same time off and on and then I had a bunch of Saudi fans and they said if you're like if you have a lot of fans in Saudi and Iraq you should pick a a, a dialect that's closer to there
0: mm-hmm. and
1: they're just like oh let's just talk to you in Saudi you can like just like start speaking like someone from Riyadh right and so I just le- started learning how they spoke and then they would like send me videos of like on Instagram or YouTube of people speaking like Riyadh Arabic and I picked that up so now I speak like someone from from I'm, I'm the capital of Saudi Arabia, <laughs> it makes sense.
0: Compare, like considering your fan base, like
1: yeah, I, yeah. yeah. So, like, it's good because I can I can communicate better with like uh, my fan base, and I understand what they're saying when they when they post things on there, or like when people post nasty comments on my YouTube. Yeah, just... it's good to know. No, okay. I, I guess let's talk about long. your
2: fan base and your non fan base, whoever interacts with you. Yeah, what's what's your response been like?
1: You know, I think when every, anyone gets into social media, they become like a, a personality on social media, whatever that means. Because, you know, so, uh, like social media personalities are, you know, full of egomaniacs. So uh, it's great. Um, However, I'm just like, this is my dancing. I don't post much anything else is for dance videos. So, I mean, I could post more content, but I just, I'm too busy. When you get like really nasty comments when you're first starting out, you're just like, it really affects you. And you're like, oh my God, why would someone say that to me? Or like, like literally like someone would put like a quote from the Quran, like Hadith or something. And like I'm like oh well I know what that means or or yeah. like you know like some crazy shit or like they'll say like oh is this a a girl or a guy or you know I posted on my Facebook something really funny I don't know if you guys saw it but I've been called many things in Arabic let me see I don't have a list of it but like give me a second it's on my Facebook wall but. Like basically it's just it's sort of just funny like i just hear these things and like after a while you just develop a really thick skin and then you just don't care so yeah. i wrote i've been called the following in arabic banana and rocks malaka and and gahba so like literally just like it's like all these names and it's just like funny it's at this point i don't really care i've developed a thick skin but I think one of the things that makes me know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, uh, posting videos and being uh, active on social media is that I do get a lot of private messages from queer people in the Khalij and Iraq who are just like, keep on doing what you're doing. And a lot of them say, oh, I wish I could dance and I wish I could do what you could do. And so I think it's a privilege for me to be able to dance in a space and to post things and not be in a situation where i'm unsafe you know so i i think that what has kept me going i mean you know besides like you know dating a bunch of arab guys with the shoes but anyway <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 an whole nother story but the thing is that like it's something like being connected to queer arabs over there who can't escape the presence uh, their situation that they are presently in, mm-hmm, but yeah. you know, finding inspiration in like dancing is really nice.
0: Focusing in on uh, the collegiate dance, something I think is really cool is when it's publicly available, which is not often, you know, like um, my only experience seeing collegiate dance in person before like a dance retreat I went to was like some family events and very close off and so it's cool um, when that can be shown on YouTube or whatever accessed by a wider audience.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't think that, like, it's, it's, it's really funny because there's this disconnect in the belly dance community and what it actually happens in the Arab world and the way dances performed. because you'll watch, like, you'll watch a belly dancer do a dance and it's completely like too crazy. Like no Khaliji person would exert would that much effort. <laughs> <in their laughs> like Khaliji dance is very much the same as their music. I mean, the music can be fast, but you don't dance hard to it. It's all about the subtlety of the movements. And you could do literally three movements and you would be an expert. Like you don't there's it's more it's all about the feeling and how you how the movements are with the music yeah and 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 khaliji dance is a social dance so when i perform it on stage there is there is this idea that i'm taking a social dance and making it a little more presentable to the stage by just sort of like changing my angles and stuff but my khaliji dancing when i what what i do socially and when i perform is not that markedly different i would say i just sort of I'm a little less repetitive with my moves when I dance on stage and when I dance socially, but there isn't a huge difference. If you watch a belly dancer do Khaliji, it's like Khaliji on steroids, mm-hmm. um, Khaliji on like crack or something. Like it's literally all over the place, too fast, too hard, too much. You know, it's all about the subtlety. So I think that, you know, there's that balance of presenting something on stage, but also not looking like a crazy person. Like if that's what you want to look like, that's fine. But if you're going to call it like Khaliji dance, you, you have to, it it has to look, it has to resemble something that you would see at a private party, like mm-hmm. for a women's only event or men's only event in the golf. So. I like
0: that a lot of the Khaliji, the social Khaliji dances incorporate some kind of storyline.
1: Yeah, there's a cool, lot of, uh, like there's a uh, Liwa, and there's Samri, there's this, all these like folkloric dances where they hearken back to uh, a time where like, you know, like the, the Gulf states, you know, used to be like, especially the Khalij, they used to like, um, people used to like basically die for uh, for pearls, right? And that was a whole industry until Japan invented uh, artificial pearls, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then they discovered oil and the rest is history, right? Yeah. But Uh, There was a whole culture that came about that. So, I mean, Khaliji dance and music is very interesting in that you basically have the the Bedouin Arabic culture as the base. But then through, like, for example, immigration and slavery, you had people from the subcontinent, from Iran, and also from Africa who came and you know, um, either through slavery or for trade or whatever, and just settle down in that region. And so you have this, uh, this like sort of like this natural sort of, uh, melting pot of different cultural influences. So, and when you hear Kharlesian music, like re- really traditional Kharlesian music, you hear that influence from India, from Iran, from mm-hmm. from East Africa, mm-hmm. all. And then the, the, the Arabic Bedouin sort of culture shoved together. So it's, uh, it's definitely very interesting. So it's like, it's like, it's like natural fusion. It's not like some white person going, oh, I'm going to take Nazi and then belly dance. And I'm going to take twerking and just make this like this new dance yeah. because, you know, I have no culture, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, Maybe yeah, this and is I,
0: the real I, tribal fusion. Like many tribes <laughs> came together.
1: <laughs> tribes came, Many um, non-tribal white people came together to invent this dance. And,
0: right, right. <laughs> and,
1: at this point in time, especially with the uh, uh, Black Lives Matter and with the protests and the coronavirus, uh, we have a right to be uh, rude to uh, culture appropriators and racists. So it's okay. Fuck (laughs) yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, always. (laughs) I do feel like there's, I mean, I feel like there's this denial in a lot of cultures, not just the college, but I feel like, for instance, in the college, there's like this denial of how multicultural it is because there's like, the fake purity okay i just
0: nadia just saw me get a text from a cousin where they were she was like so i'm i'm half Saudi, so it was like on my on that side and she was like oh my brother really wants to know what your 23andme says because he's like freaked out by like By being slightly South The (laughs) mixedness, and he just wanted to, like, see the data. Not just just the breakdown, but there was, like, some helpful group thing. I can't find that on there, but he was like, tell Alia to send that to us. So that's just an example of, like, this denial that doesn't... Like, yeah, like, whether it's, like, like,
2: in terms of, like, ethnicity or culture or whatever, it's, like, you don't... Everyone wants to think it's, like... We're so pure, and we've been on this exact piece of land for five yeah. bajillion But, like, Saudis years. are and almost it's like, kind of, mostly, but also kind of not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyone who lives in Saudi Arabia is probably mostly, like, North African. Like, you have a lot of North African. You have a lot of South Asian. Um, I mean, just the... There's Central Asian. There's such a huge mix, and it's so hilarious to me mm-hmm. that people are still... in
1: denial of that. So I know you you probably know this being half Saudi, but like there's this whole thing, uh, you know, like Kabalia. So like like literally like tribalism is mm-hmm. huge in the Gulf, right? And in Saudi Arabia. Uh not so much in other parts of the Arab world because people uh, in other Arabic countries are Arabized, you know? They're not actually quote unquote Arab. I was having a conversation with someone who's from uh, a Yemeni friend actually, uh Yemeni gay friend about this whole Thing And a lot of Bedouin people are people who are like who are like who are quote unquote like 100% from the peninsula and they never left. Right. There is some truth to that. Not 100%. So like if you're from one of the coastal regions of the peninsula, like let's say the Khalij mm-hmm. or or Jeddah, you know, like, you know, Jeddah and Mecca and Daif, all these. Like the
0: whole up- Hejaz region
1: al Jaws reason is super super mixed
0: yeah
1: uh, and that's just because you have people people coming in for hedge and then they're just like oh this place is nice let's settle yeah. you have you have like saudis who look asian you have saudis that maybe their ancestors came from egypt and they speak slightly different saudi arabic that yep. you have like you have uh, the bedouin who who uh who are there you find though that that uh, Arabs who are tribal, who have a tribal last name, really do not like mixing with other people, and it does happen, especially usually the second or third wife. Usually the first wife has to be your second cousin or your cousin. Or your first cousin. You have to be related <laughs> to you because you have to keep the tribe. You know, right? There's this whole thing, and that's that's why like there's so many genetic issues um, in the Gulf because people are marrying their cousins too often, and they need to. They need to take inside, like, more outside blood. But there, there is never in a family, even in a tribal family, where, like, let's say Muteri, you know, Muteri is the last name that's between Saudi and between Kuwait, you know, they're, they're, but they're all okay. in the same tribe, right? You have people like, oh, you know, this guy, he marries his, his first cousin or his second cousin or third cousin. And then he gets another wife and the, the second wife is probably Moroccan or something like that. So that's how that's how usually how other things get into the mix. It's like, or they decide to marry a foreigner or something like that or whatever. So it's never pure, but people try their hardest, you know?
0: I don't, yeah, I don't get why. I, I don't it's, understand the...
1: It's such a cultural the, uh, thing.
0: incentive, I guess. Oh, you is mean like I don't understand? <laughs> it's like what? What do you get out of that?
1: You know, it's. Uh, I think back. I think back in what I was reading about it is maybe back in the pre the modern borders of these countries because you know, all these countries are really really new, right? It mm-hmm. was its own kingdom before it became incorporated with Saudi Arabia. You know, like Saudi Arabia is literally like like the House of Saud, they just named their country up. Yeah, a right?
0: friend and I were calling yeah. it the occupied Hijaz instead of Saudi Arabia, for fun. I mean, fun. Sure. I,
1: mean Hijaz, I think Hijazi people recognize that they are Saudi by citizenship, but, but, but uh, Hijazi people are different from people from Riyadh. And people from yeah, the, totally. uh, from Shargiyah are different from people from Riyadh. Yeah. However, Riyadh is closer to Shargiyah, so their cultures are a little closer like Jeddah is like really far away from Riyadh, you know, you have to yeah. drive to the desert just to get to, you know, to there, you know? Yeah, my uh, family
0: is from the Hejaz region, which makes that text, for example, even more hilarious.
1: Yeah, you know, you, it's just, Hijaz is really, really mixed and they know that. I mean, there are people who are tribal in Hijaz, and it's funny, I had a friend who, uh, he was gay, he's back in Saudi, but he's uh, he's he's tribal, so his family traces their, their lineage all the way back to Yemen long ass time ago. Right. And speak Hijazi Arabic to everyone else. Like the standard Hijazi Arabic, which is kind of like, uh, I call it peninsular Arabic light because they have so much influence from Egypt and the Levant. They say certain things that are very like, you know, like they say for, for bread, which they do in Egypt as well. There's Egyptian influence in Hijazi Arabic. Right. So, because it's they're so close together. However, when he speaks with his family, they change accent. They, their accent becomes more Bedouin dialect. You know,
0: mm.
1: like they say, it's like it's like it's like inside their house with their with their relatives, they speak their accent a little more closer to Yemeni Arabic. Uh, but when they speak other people, they code switch to Hijazi Arabic because it would just sound weird for people in the hijab to speak that way, so they just, they do code switching, which is like the craziest oh, thing. Oh,
0: interesting.
1: And, you know, with <laughs> new languages. Um, yeah, yeah very, very strange. But uh, what I find um, interesting is that I think at the time, back before these nation-states became uh, became nation-states, people, that, there was a reason to, to keep ties within the tribe is because you know, it was a inhospitable place. There were enemies around the corner. You had to uh, create strong bonds and families. So it didn't make sense to marry someone who was your cousin or something. However, there was always intermixing in this populations because let's say, oh, someone, some Bedouins came down and basically abducted some people and made them slaves. And then they married into the family and the, those people had children and then you know, there was always like an inflow of other genes. Yeah. It was just, you know, they were always like, oh, if you trace far back enough, I'm um, from this tribe that's from Yemen, you know? There's this whole this historical genealogy that that all Arab Arabic tribes originally came from Yemen. You know, there's this whole thing that's uh, really convoluted, I've read about it, because I've, I've always find this stuff kind of like interesting, but... Yeah, it's there's a, there was an incentive back then, but now it doesn't really make any sense because uh, people are having fewer, unless you have a lot of money, they're having fewer wives, but then there's a pressure to marry someone in the family, which can cause genetic defects. That wasn't such a case back then because there was always an input mm-hmm. of like slaves and whatever, blah, 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 you know, and like, yeah. Prince Bandar he is the Ill- illegitimate son of I forgot which Saudi prince but he's half black so I mean mm-hmm. I mean I hope that the Saudis don't get mad at me for saying <laughs> okay, this.
0: We're about to cut out the next few minutes of this recording where Mark gives some behind-the-scenes Saudi royalty gossip which is pretty standard for any conversation related to Saudi Arabia at least in my experience.
1: Literally you could throw a stone in Saudi Arabia and hit three princes. It's like, there's so many, that royal family is huge. It's like someone knows a royal. Like you just like, it just it just end up, ends up happening. And usually with like these huge projects that happen or any kind of like things like that, there's some Saudi prince involved, you know? Cause you, you have to think that how many, the, the original founder of Al Saud, how many wives he had and how many children he had and how many children they had and how many wives they had. And just like, like, it's like this huge, like, it's like a huge welfare state of like, let's like, I mean, Saudi Arabia is a welfare state, but then you have like Saudi, like Saudi princes, they, you know, they get like, they get an allowance, you know, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: as part of being in the, the, and it depends on where they are in the hierarchy. I don't know the details, Mm -hmm. uh, I know that is something that's sort of uh, talked about, but yeah, you know, when you go to a Saudi compound, anything can happen. You know, have you yeah. seen WikiLeaks? It's all there. Ooh. Read WikiLeaks about secret Saudi gay parties. And, you know, obviously Ooh. it's not always safe to have like a a big party, like in your normal house or something like that, that's like LGBTQI. But if you are under the patronage of a Saudi prince or a Saudi uh, a princess or something like that, and you have the party in their compound, no one can touch that party you can do whatever you want like you know so um, by the
0: way if we have any saudi princes listening and you want to sponsor our podcast yeah hit us up yeah
1: yeah totally do you have you guys do venmo or paypal or patreon or something
0: we have a Kofi fi account um, we might switch
2: to patreon
0: yeah we might patreon it seems to be the thing but yeah hit us up <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, or do Venmo. Everyone we can does be
0: that. anonymous, you know, whatever yeah. you need.
1: <laughs> get PayPal, I'll get one of those PayPal things, and people PayPal all the time. It's so easy, and you can use, use someone's credit card. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean I've mean, i gotten a little bit of money from PayPal from people just randomly sending me money. I mean, I have to say, though, uh, that a lot of the money that I made uh, for dancing for Khalijis, I wasted, so uh, I don't have a lot of money. But I <laughs>
0: Wait, how did you like get these gigs?
1: (laughs) Like, oh, so that's funny because sometimes someone would recommend me, or I knew somebody. It was already sort of just like it was wasta. It was always wasta. Oh, blah blah blah. Like this dancer. Oh, you know Mark? Can you have a perform or something? That's always been like that, where someone knows me, or it's like three degrees of separation, and then I get invited. I once danced at like a Saudi princess's private party and mm-hmm. there were a bunch of sisters and their friends and all the sisters had the same nose job i kid you not like at least they all got matching nose jobs it wasn't this like oh <sighs> it was clearly a nose job because ha- they had the same nose as nancy udram okay so I was, like, <laughs> I was like and and they all had the same nose job they all I let's be real
2: That's not even a great nose <laughs> it,
1: it isn't it isn't but it, at least I'm like they right all matched <laughs> Oh, it's it's not like the it's not like the this the sounded girl like one of them got a nose job and then the other ones didn't get the nose job. They all got nose job and they got the same one. It was very clear because it's like Nancy Asram's nose does not exist in the Middle East, you know? No. It's like <laughs> melody, or or like it's like the, the unicorn, you know, in the room. You're like that this that nose is
2: good.
1: By the way, I met Nancy Azram.
2: Whoa! How was that? Yeah.
1: What are your she's opinions? Tiny. She's she's a, she's a little. I would say she's like four foot something.
2: Really.
1: She's like almost five feet. She's quite short, but she wears heels, and she's got the tiniest little waist. Like you could go and like break her in two. So I was uh I went I was invited to an Arabic party. She was gonna sing in D.C. This is when she was like doing Al and she was really big. She just got really big, and you know. She had a concert in DC and I heard from a friend, oh, I'm performing um, at the show here. I think Nancy Azra is coming, you should come and like, you should dance too. And I'm like, okay. So I'm just like hanging out, partying, smoking like shisha and then walks in Nancy Ajram and her entourage. And you know, it was so funny because I was like, oh my God, that's Nancy Azra. Oh my God. And she's tiny. She was like, she's very curvy, but like small, like, you know and uh, at one point the musicians got me up to dance so I was dancing and then Nancy Ashram takes out her phones and starts filming me filming me like oh my God <laughs> so I was, like, I was like yay and uh, people were like oh Nancy Ashram was filming me. I'm like, yeah, I could tell you know she was like right in front of me. she was like three, two, two three years away from me filming just like just with her with her cell phone. So yeah I she uh, I, you know I, I didn't i just spoke to her very briefly she was like oh i really love your music thank you so much she's like oh thanks blah 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 have a good day bye you know it was very sweet so i, I mean i don't i think she seems like a nice person um from that from that maybe she isn't you know i mean you know we all heard about her husband killing that syrian so
2: yeah. <laughs> God. Just Wait, i missed that there's a lot about her I miss the husband part. Oh, yeah. And also, like, being a CC supporter.
1: Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah, Yeah. There's that. No, she only... Okay, here's here's my thing about Arabic artists, okay? Is that, you know, if you follow the money and you follow different things, the reason why they sometimes will support a despot is because, like, they want to continue the money train, okay? Like, you know... You think about her, like Nancy Adram's biggest fan base is in Egypt. You know, Lebanon is too small of a country to make a living as a singer. Like if you want to make big bucks, like you have to either sing in the Gulf or sing in Egypt, you know, Gulf has a lot of money. Egyptian Egyptians have a huge population. Right. And, uh, you know, she she's been smart because she can't sing religion music at all. It's awful. Like she should just not do it ever. But she sings Egyptian music well enough. So, I mean, that's, I think that's the reason why she was like, oh, so pro CC. You know, it's because like she wants to not, she wants to keep the gravy train running. And, you know, in the climate of the Middle East, you see that a lot. Like when Nancy, when what Najwa Karam sang that whole thing about, Prince Talal bin Talal, um, Walid bin Talal. She had this whole song about talking about how great he is, or something. So, I mean, you have to remember that like, she uh, she's a Rotana artist, and she occasionally has to kiss his ass. So it's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. I it's it's a kind of cognitive dissonance that's really bad because when you go to Lebanon, there a lot of it's not that a lot a lot of people uh, feel this way, but there is some prejudice against Khaliji people. And part of it is just because, oh, they came to our country with all their money and all they want to do is get drunk and have sex and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, I don't really blame Saudis for that because, you know, like, I mean, you know, you also can't-
2: like that, Let's be real, like, Saudis getting drunk and buying up hotels and stuff is like funding the economy. Like, that. that is a major- Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, they actually support the, they supported the Lebanese economy in the past they uh, uh there isn't as much investment from the khalij anymore and i think that's just because of there's been so much like uh instability in lebanon lately and uh, people still own things there but i don't mm-hmm. know the last time any Khalijis have like visited there cuz the protests or something like that and that's because it's just unstable mm-hmm. but you, you have you have a you have a government that that you have a Lebanese government that can't get their shit right that should like drop the confessional system Mm -hmm. like it goes on and on like this is like this is a mess Mm -hmm. that needs to be resolved like this the whole the whole system government needs to be completely changed
0: yeah same with the Saudi government so that people don't always have to leave the country to like party (laughs) or like yeah I mean
2: I I mean not that they always do not that they
0: yeah yeah not that they always do but that's okay Uh,
1: here, here's the here, here's the thing that we have to remember is that because I have this special access to the the private lives of queer Arabs in the Gulf and the Iraq, I have been invited quotation marks this via Snapchat to Saudi parties, Saudi gay parties, wildest parties I've ever I'm seen. Sure. Ever. I yeah. wish I was there. That you just like, have to have the access, yeah. They send me videos all the time. time, like, oh, Mark, we wish you were here. Oh, we played your music on, like, they'll, like, they'll play my, like, my, one of my dance clips at the party or something, or whatever. While, or, like, I occasionally get videos of people sending, like, people sending me Snapchat videos of them having sex while my music, like, my, my dance music. Wow. Is my dance videos playing. I'm like, why? Why? I mean, that's fine. Like, it's like great. I'll be
0: your your sex soundtrack, but you do not ask for
1: documentation, you know. But okay, yeah, but, yeah. But whatever. Yeah, but the gay parties happen in Saudi. Like, there's yeah. There's- no,
0: I know. I I just I I just know that like not everyone has easy Access access and like people some people just like legit need to leave the country so that they have the privacy they need
1: yeah i have i have to say that if you are in a certain income bracket and your family is liberal ish enough then you can live a decent uh cognitive dissonance lifestyle in saudi where you could have you could you could have fun and blah 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 and you know do all these things it just you can't do it in public but then again like lots of things that are done in private in saudi are you know are probably legal if you did it publicly you know drinking uh premarital sex um drug use gay all sex these, yeah sex regular sex
0: <laughs> yeah sex at all no i'm <laughs> just kidding yeah. There's
1: yeah, sex I to Mark's
2: videos There's specifically. Plenty of sex in Saudi Arabia. Yeah,
1: sex <laughs> to yours. <laughs> I, I, don't, I mean, I, I think it's very, it's very nice, but also just sort of like, also this sort is of kind of puzzling. Or I get lots of videos of people like I have this one of these. I have a, a couple Saudi friends that always send me pictures of their dick or their, their ass. Like I just sort of like, Aw. That's hey, <laughs> <hey."> so wholesome. <laughs> It's like so wholesome Like, they send me like orders like Mark, do you like this? Or like, um, like, and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, sh-. I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's it, it's a form of flattery that they that they find my dancing and myself so enthralling that they send me uh, those pics, although I do get like. Like pictures of boobs too, so I'm just sort of like, all right. that's cool. Yeah. It's cool. I think people just assume that I have no morals, so they can just do whatever they want. They just send me like, like, like filth all the time, um, and it usually goes down during Ramadan. So,
0: oh my god, I mean, I use
1: yeah. tank during Ramadan, like completely tank the first week of Ramadan, and they start going up again. <laughs> And then during and qadr they drop again. And <laughs> after, like, during, af- right after that, after the first three days of Eid, it just shoots up, like exponentially. So that just gives you an idea of like, uh, of people's... Um,
0: the, ad- the roller
1: coaster. The roller coaster of YouTube views during uh, <laughs> And usually my views go down a little bit during the first couple of days during Ramadan too. So. How
0: have your views been during COVID? Have they like gone up
1: it's gone up yeah because people can't do anything anyway so (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm like keep on watching me you know i need to make money thank you it's like
0: (laughs) yeah no it's great keep keep viewing people (laughs)
1: exactly it's one one of the ones is that my videos that are the most viewed some of them i can't monetize because it's music. you know Uh, oh
0: shit okay
1: (laughs) but the thing is that like i still make money it's not that helps bring in But it helps.
0: Audience for your other videos, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then there's always like, there's always a comment of like, oh, what do you put in your hair? Like, how do you get your hair to grow? You know, or something. So,
2: you just wait.
1: (laughs) Just wait. Or, I mean, I post videos and they they don't, not enough people watch them. So I don't feel incentive to to do that. So it's like, whatever. Yeah.
0: Cool. this is fun this is really yeah.
1: fun uh, the, uh, the story about the the story about the you know who doing you know what, that's going to be cut out that's yeah. all
0: cut out don't worry about it yeah like, we
2: can include like a reference to like something about saudi royalty was discussed, yeah. right yeah you can okay. Do like okay but no names okay just as I mean, a like
1: a lot of this information like not everything, not specifically my story or yeah, the stories yeah. I've There's so many. I could go on forever. <laughs> things that I've done or things that I've seen, like back in, especially in DC. Oh my God. Like, you know, there's so many, like, you know, the cultural attache of Saudi Arabia is in like, is in McLean or something. Or is it in Falls Church? I don't remember. There's a huge cultural attache and then, like, the Saudi mm-hmm. embassy and then the military attache. Like, the Saudis, like, basically, I wouldn't say uh, rule, but like, if you go to Georgetown at a certain time, like, you know, yeah. like, you just walk around in the evening and it's literally just Saudis strolling around uh-huh. or training or something. I get recognized sometimes when I walk there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh, are you Mark? I saw you on Instagram. And I'm like, yes. Oh, can we take a photo of you? I'm like, okay. Like, it's just like, that's so funny. my life. Go away, please. It happens in New York too, sometimes where I'm like at a shisha bar and then some Saudis this recognize like, me. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> can you do a sakaruta? I'm like, okay. Right. And then my friend's like, oh my God, can they go away? And I'm like, yeah, I know. but. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like let was, me just humor them with a
1: picture and yeah, they'll exactly. leave. Yeah. It's like going, Oh, Mark is so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's cute. It's also sort of like you never sometimes you just want to be left alone. So
2: Yeah, you just yeah. give them the the photo and then, yeah. Yeah. It'd be like
1: back yeah. off.
0: Yeah. Um where can people follow you or find you get in touch?
1: So I'm on Instagram. Um I don't remember my Instagram. We'll but... link
0: it. We'll find it.
1: I don't remember. Oh, it's uh Balahadia Mark.
0: Okay. And okay then I to look you up.
1: <laughs> it's like you can search for Mark Balahaj uh, Balahaja or Balahadia or Mark I mean Ricky in Arabic. Okay find me. Um, I have a Snapchat um, that I don't post that much anymore. Ever since COVID happened, I've just like not posting as much in social media. And that's because I had to. I have other projects happening and I'm just not in the zone right now for that. So but I still post. I just, I'm not posting as much as I used to, so. Okay. Yeah, I get it.
0: We'll link We'll link to your YouTube channel, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you can all follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Queer Arabs, and our website's thequeerarabs.com. And we are on almost every, I think, like, every podcast app, as far as I know, including Spotify. Wow. Um, that's oh. a new development, and we're excited. I'm so asking. And well, you, I'm yeah. Asking.
1: I'm glad that you guys invited me to to talk. I have lots of interesting things to say, or interesting stories, or uh, misadventures of the of the sexual kind. So it's great. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, at this point in my career, like if like an, like whenever I get like a dick pic or an ass pic from Snapchat, I'm just sort of just like, okay, well, you know. Uh-uh. I mean, it's it just it's, like they almost like, all just look like, the same comes through the territory. Yeah. I mean, I think it's 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 because of the way that uh Arabic dance is viewed in the Middle East, especially belly dance or mm. or or how um gay people are viewed, you yeah.
2: know. I mean, it's she, like hard to tell people you're a dancer without like them just assuming stripper. Mm.
1: Yeah, I I would say more like sex worker. Yeah. Um, I've been I've been asked how much I cost I've been asked if we did a secret marriage how much would the dowry be like like literally like 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 actual questions and I'm just sort of like and I'll just write something funny like if there isn't 20 camels in my dowry in my mahri and if I'm not if I don't have an apartment in London and Dubai then we're not doing this you know like I, I don't know why the 20 camels have to be included, but, you know, camels are cute. I love camels. They are cute. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. They're cute, yeah. I mean, They're fun to chill with. They're
1: cute and also just, like, really belligerent, you know? like They are, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just like, I spit went, at you all the time. Oh my god, there was this camel that I thought was the cutest camel in the world. Her name was Lulu, like, pearls. Aww. And I was just like, oh my god! And I was in Dubai, and, like, in this, like, resort place smoking shisha. And I just like kept on hugging the camel, and the camel's like, "Who the fuck are you?" and trying to get away. I <laughs> was just like, "You're so cute!" You know, like being a, the crazy person, like hu- trying to hug the camel. That's <laughs> totally random. They so, are
0: bizarre like, animals. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah. Cool. Remember when so, I mean, we adopted like we adopted an imaginary, a, camel. An imaginary camel? We haven't yeah. talked about them for a very long time, but they <laughs> they're just like everywhere. Yeah, they exist in the ether.
1: Yeah, and even you know, camel meat tastes really interesting. I've never tried it. Is it salty? It, no, it it's like it's really light. It's, hmm. it's not like beef, and it's not like chicken.
0: Huh? I would have it, pictured it as like really chewy for some reason. I don't know why. Don't know. It's, it's just because camels I,
2: chew a lot. Yeah, <laughs> isn't
1: yeah. I don't know They're quite tender, actually. Oh wow. It's just like it's it's like a non-game that you can't that you can't you can't say it's something. It's like is this is this like like a cow? Is this like a chicken? Hmm. Like I, I really don't know. But it's okay. I've I've had lots of weird things, and so it's okay. I want to
0: just like hang out sometime too and hear more stuff oh yeah
1: (laughs) oh my god yeah um i have to tell you one of these days i'll tell you guys a story about dancing for the um for some diplomats from dubai oh
0: my god (laughs) wait should i stop recording right now
1: you can if you want okay